I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Our 1320 49ers insider of the Sacramento Bee covers the Sacramento Kings as well. He's in Minnesota uh, covering the Sacramento Kings, our guy, Chris Biederman. Chris, a lot we want to talk to you about the Kings, uh, but before we get there, uh, the San Francisco 49ers season uh, came to a conclusion last night, and we'll just bring you in right where we left off. We're Mm. waiting on news on Brock Purdy and the extent of the injury he suffered yesterday. What direction do you are you leaning towards in terms of starting quarterback next year man so I I think you have to give Trey Lance at least an opportunity right like I don't think the fact that Brock Purdy seemed to overtake Trey Lance on the depth chart this year that doesn't necessarily mean you have to trade Trey Lance unless maybe you get an offer that that's really too good to refuse but at this point uh if, if Brock Purdy has to miss time in 2023 because of this elbow injury, I would think that, you know, you invested so much in Trey Lance, you're confident enough to make him the starter going into last year. I don't know that, you know, five quarters of football was necessarily enough to make you move off of that stance. So you definitely bring back Trey Lance. You always have Brock Purdy in the wings, depending on what his injury history looks like. And I'm sort of back on the Tom Brady thing, right? Like I know, you know, I, I we talked about it midway through the season, like, if the 49ers don't feel comfortable with Trey Lance, obviously you're probably not going to pay the premium that it's likely going to cost to retain Jimmy Garoppolo, who might have more of a market this year than he did last offseason. Um, I think Tom Brady makes sense as sort of the bridge to whatever's next beyond that, right? Like whether it's Trey Lance developing, whether it's Brock Purdy coming back and reasserting himself. So I, I think Brady does make a ton of sense given that the window's open you want a guy you know you can absolutely win a championship with. I'm sure they felt that they probably could have won with Brock Purdy given the way he had been playing, but now, you know, he didn't have the strongest arm to begin with and banking on him coming off major or potentially a, a significant elbow injury. I, I think that's just that's just kind of a hard thing. And so, you know, the Tom Brady thing, I, I think they'll certainly explore it depending on the severity of Brock's injury. But if Brock is – if it's not a torn UCL – and it doesn't require Tommy John, and it's just a six-week injury, then I think you probably feel okay about Brock Purdy and Trey Lance being your top two guys, and maybe you go in and and get a veteran, a guy to have as your third quarterback. And um, I think, you know, I I think the NFL should look at the idea of bringing back that rule that allows you to have a third quarterback up on game days. It doesn't count against the 46. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that just Sunday – you know, it was pretty unprecedented. So, you know, I get it, but that it, you you sh- absolutely should not have an NFC Championship game get down to a point where a team loses two quarterbacks and just literally does not have anybody capable of throwing a pass. Um, particularly now, if if you know, the, and the, if the referees can have guys check for concussions midway through the game, um, I think teams should have the luxury of having a third quarterback up in case that scenario pops up again. So, I think that's something that the league should look at. 
going into this offseason. But no, I, I to answer your question, I, I definitely think the Tom Brady thing is is back on the table depending on Brock's injury. Oh man, so many things I, I want to hit on right there. First of all, we'll start with the roster thing. I this isn't you you can test this. This isn't just because of what happened to my 49ers in an NFC championship game. I've talked about this since the show started. And maybe it's just like a an elementary thought of mine, but I don't know why they have like what is it like forty six available players on game day? Yeah, it's forty six. There's some other active. I, it's changed over the last few years since the pandemic, but yeah, it's generally forty six in a game like football. Like that is crazy to me. That is that is absolutely insane to me. Um, and I think we talked about it where you know I don't know why it's not like college where you can have I mean ninety guys on the sidelines, all of them available, but especially. When it comes to the quarterback, like I'd have two designated quarterbacks, your practice guy, maybe another guy. And the rule is they can't come in unless the two that are active, say this week it was Brock and, and Josh Johnson, and say Nate Sudfeld was there. Nate yeah. Sudfeld, once he you report to somebody, hey, Nate Sudfeld is active, all right, Purdy cannot come back into the game. Like, yeah. it's, it's really simple, but I think we kind of came to the equation that it came down to money. Like you'd have to pay these guys game salaries. And I don't think they want to do that. I, I think there's an element to like the reason why 46 should probably be expanded. And I think the third quarterback thing should definitely be implemented like it was. But I think the reason why rosters active roster size on game days is limited is because like if one team has 20 injuries and another team doesn't have any, then that team with injuries is going to be at an even bigger disadvantage. Mm. If that makes sense. Like, and the NFL doesn't want like gadget players or like single use players. Like they want, you know, they, they want to keep it sort of, I don't really know how to word it, but they, they don't want specialty players, I guess, is mm. if like you just have one 90th guy in the roster to do one specific thing. Mm. Um, so I, I think there's an element of competitive, competitive balance there or dealing with injuries and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think, just the quarterback thing, like it's just a shame that one of the biggest games of the year comes to a point where one team just doesn't have anybody to throw the ball. Like that's that's just all there is to it. Like nobody wanted to watch that, whether you're a Niners fan or an Eagles fan or impartial, like nobody wants to watch a game where one team just literally can't throw when the stakes are that high. Um, so that's, you know, that's not to make that. I'm, I'm not trying to like make excuses for anybody, but it's just a reality. Like those guys got hurt. Brock Purdy hurt his elbow and, and couldn't throw a pass beyond a screen. And they, you know, they, it, it, it was just unfortunate for everybody who wanted to watch that game because the expectations for the game were so high going in. Um, so I definitely think the league should, should re-implement that, that ability to have a third quarterback available on game days. Do you, do you think the 49ers were undisciplined yesterday? Yeah, I think they were, but I don't necessarily blame them. Like if you're, I think everybody on the sideline kind of knew that their chances were were shot once it was clear Brock wasn't coming back in the game. So I think there was an element of frustration that that the defense in particular played with. Like the defense after after Brock Purdy got hurt played really well and was playing really hard and you know the Eagles really couldn't do anything for those three drives where they just punted and then, you know, Josh Johnson comes in, they're not moving the ball, then Josh Johnson gets hurt. And it's just frustration penalties. Like, I, I think there was a mental exhaustion that comes into it when you spend, 
you know, the last eight months of your life training, practicing in, you know, devoting your entire life to football. And then you get to a point where no matter what you do, you're not going to have a chance to win simply because you just don't have a quarterback. So I don't really like the, the penalties were obviously an issue, but I don't look, I don't necessarily blame them for, for being in that emotional state in that, in that, in that game at that point in the season. Like I, I would be, I couldn't imagine the level of frustration, like trying to play a football game, knowing that like, all right, we got to pitch a shutout. And even then, like our offense is still going against one of the better defenses in the league without a quarterback that can throw the ball forward or with a four stringer, even before Josh Johnson got taken out of the game early in the third quarter with a concussion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they were undisciplined. But I mean, to me, they lost as soon as as soon as that sixth offensive snap happened and Brock Purdy got hit in the elbow. Like to me, it's. There was nothing else that could have been done. I think, yeah, you could criticize Kyle Shanahan for not challenging the the deep mm-hmm. the fourth down pass to Devontae Smith. I think you could seer- su- substantially question Kyle Shanahan for having Tyler Croft try to block Hassan Reddick on a on a slow developing play action pass play. I think those plays were really problematic in the Cowboys game. So it was pretty surprising that to to see the 49ers go back to that, um, particularly with Croft on that side of the formation. I would have had Kittle over there at least. But um, no, I mean, the, the analysis of the game, I, I don't know. I just don't even know if it's if it's worth like getting riled up over the, the minutia of that game when it's like they lost their third string quarterback who was playing pretty well, had to play their fourth string guy and then just didn't have a quarterback who could throw the ball forward. Like it would have it would have taken a miracle for the 49ers to win that game, given those circumstances. And I'll, I'll, I'll uh, stall out the defense a little bit as well, Damian. Um you know, just looking back at that game, I mean, they it was twenty one seven. The the fumble was deflating. Like that was yeah, that was very it. deflating. And they gave up a quick score <laughs> after that. But it was twenty one seven. What about four minutes to go in the third quarter when they stopped? A, they stopped the Eagles again, forced a punt. And then I know you know there's the running into the kicker, the unnecessary roughness or whatever. I mean, looking back at it, I I mean think I think that was uh, Jordan Mason. Um, mm-hmm. Not only did he not get the plant leg, which is usually what's calls for a 15 yarder but he was yeah he was pushed into the punter yeah and that once again it, it wasn't going to happen more than likely but hey we got to stop it's a two-score game maybe Christian McCaffrey breaks the 80 yarder and it's a one-score game and we can you know at that point it was like dang this just ain't our day you know what I'm saying yeah and there's probably that's why you really the like the hidden value in home field advantage right you're like you're probably more inclined to get a less bad whistle <laughs> if if you're playing that game in at Levi's Stadium instead of Philadelphia mm. um so yeah I mean I don't know like I it, it would be it, it would be one of the most miraculous things I think any of us had ever seen in sports had the 49ers won that game given Brock Purdy was out so you know the the officiating I guess we can quibble with a few calls the decision making sure um but ultimately it was just going to take a, an effort that I don't even I, I don't think any NFL team would be capable of pulling that game out with a fourth string quarterback or even basically no quarterback who could throw the ball forward. Well, if they had pulled it out, we could have been talking about Jimmy Garoppolo starting in the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks <laughs> against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> You're listening to D'Lo and Casey on KIFM West Sacramento, 98.5 FM KRX QHD2 Sacramento, ESPN 1320. Driven by our friends over at Lasher's Elk Grove Dodge, always live on the free Odyssey app. Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. Uh, kind enough to join us from Minnesota. Do want to get to the Kings here uh, in just a minute. One more quick question on the San Francisco 49ers. Christian McCaffrey, Nick Bosa, this offseason, what are we watching for? 
See how much Nick Bosa gets uh, in, his, in his new contract. A lot. Yeah, lot. I, I have to think he's going to be getting $35 million a year at least. He'll Highest probably paid non-quarterback? Probably. Probably. Oh. I mean, he's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and so, you know, I think the 49ers understand that they have to allocate a certain amount of money, um, which will be important. I think they had, what, $11 million projected in cap space going into this offseason before Nick Bosa's contract. And you're probably going to have to rework some other deals to, to make that fit. Um, and real, so, quick, real quick, though, Chris, Bosa's contract is an extension. So he's yeah. got one year left on this deal, which won't really right. affect what they do in free agency. for. Yeah, the, the cap space in Nick Bosa, in the first year of Nick Bosa's contract shouldn't really be impactful. But going forward beyond that, that that'll mm-hmm. certainly be worth monitoring. <laughs> um, you have to you, – you're looking at, you know, Emmanuel Mosley. Do, do you bring him back on a – on a prove it deal after he tore his ACL in Carolina, uh, Mike McGlinchey right tackle. Obviously that's a pretty important position. And if he leaves, you know, I, I would think McGlinchey would probably get more from another team than the 49ers would be willing to pay. Um, so is Colton McKivitz, your starting right tackle. We know the 49ers don't have a ton of draft capital um, and not a ton of free agent dollars to potentially spend in that position. So you might be looking at a minimum contract type guy, in Colton McKivitz getting elevated to that job, that's certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, Jimmy Ward, listening to him talk to reporters in Philadelphia after the game, did not sound like he's coming back. Um, and maybe that changes. You never say never. Um, but I think he was pretty disappointed overall to be moved from free safety um, and losing that starting job to Tayshawn Gibson. As good as Gibson was, you know, Ward had Ward is a team captain and had dealt with position switches throughout his career. Um, dealt with a ton of injuries and um, you know maybe didn't didn't love the fact that over his time with the 49ers had to go through so many position switches and um, coaching staff changes and all of that and and so I think he was he was pretty turned off that in a contract year he was moved he as a team captain he lost his starting role at free safety because of an injury and then ended up coming back and playing nickel and played it at a pretty high level Mm -hmm. but I would imagine that you know the he, he would want a uh, he would want to be a starting free safety again. I'm, he's made that pretty abundantly clear that he wants that that's his favorite position. So um, he his free agency will certainly be worth monitoring. And the 49ers just need to make upgrades elsewhere throughout the roster. I know, you know, Javon Kinlaw was just not oh, very good um, at all on Sunday wow. in Philadelphia. It was a guy, you know, the 49ers brought in to be a physical presence, particularly against the run. Um, and then potentially add something in the pass rush, and the Eagles just ran right at him and moved right off the moved him right off the spot with double teams with without really any issue. And there were some I know there's some highlights circulating on social media today, but it was even apparent during the game um, that that they were just focusing on running right at Kinlaw. I don't know if that's a function of missing most of the season with the knee, or if the knee's still bothering him, or if he's not super confident in the knee, but that situation needs to improve because mm-hmm. the 49ers defense is not going to be at the level it needs to for them to win a championship if they're going to have a hole in the middle of the defensive line against the run. Um, so that the Kinlaw thing will be worth monitoring. Um, Aziz Alshire is a free agent. I don't want to go down all the lists with, with free agent guys, but I think that's where we're at now is that you know there are a number of notable guys, particularly starters at pretty key positions like Jimmy Ward, like Mike McGlinchey, who could potentially be on the move and and leave sizable voids if they do end up leaving? Real real quick, um, Chris, just wanted to ask you on on the 49ers. This year, I mean, the difference between having that game in Philly 
in in having it in uh, Levi Stadium was were losses to the Broncos and the Bears. I mean, that's that's <laughs> and pretty, the Falcons. Uh, yeah, and the Falcons. At least it felt like the Falcons game. Like man, Falcons just played. They played a great game. Uh, Mariota played a perfect game. Damn near the Bears and the Broncos game. Those were yeah. unexcusable. What, what do you what do you think? Is can they start any hotter? Like I, I was thinking about it last night, but like, what do you do to to try and get that NFC Championship game at home? They Levi's has turned into a bit of a home field advantage. It's rocking in there. They play well in there in the last few years. How do you get that game at home? Is it as simple as start earlier, or is that going to wind you know kind of wear them out for later in the year? Like, what do you do? Is that the mission for this team next year? Get the NFC Championship game at Levi's. Yeah, I, I would think so. Look, like Kyle Shanahan doesn't love giving guys a ton of work in in training camp or the preseason, right? Like Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, all did very little in training camp this year. Now, I, that's not to say that that's the reason why they lost, but it might be, um, you know, that it. Kyle Shanahan is generally very focused on playing your best football late in the season. And I think we've seen that from him, even going back to 2017, like the 49ers offense with Jimmy Garoppolo when he, when he became the starter um, back in 2017, they were just playing their best football, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, 2018 kind of a wash, but 2019, obviously they were playing solid throughout the year. I would say, you know, and then 2021, they, Last year, they had a bunch of games that they should have won, whether it was the Colts game or, gosh, I'd so far so far ago. But I, they, they were three and five at one point. Yeah. Um, and then fought their way back, fought, fought to just to get into the playoffs as a wild card team and had to scratch tooth and nail. Um, yeah, I mean, George Kittle was hurt. You remember the first couple games of this season? I think that was certainly part of it. Trey Lance getting his first his first real action as the, as the solidified starter was certainly part of it. Jimmy Garoppolo having to come in against a Denver team that at that point still had a really good defense and was kind of a tough, tougher out early in the season. But I just think, you know, Kyle Shanahan might be, might have to give guys like Trent Williams and Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel, just more work in training camp in the preseason, just because you do want to avoid having some of those losses. You don't really want to, ease into the season to where you have a couple losses in September, early October that ultimately impact the way the standings go throughout the rest of the season. I think, you know, the 49ers were certainly good enough to get to the Super Bowl. Um, and I, I do think, you know, this will be one of the biggest what ifs in recent memory, but if Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt in that game with the way the defense looked like it was playing in the first half before the quarterback stuff really went haywire with the way they're moving the ball, I know it's just a handful of plays on the first possession of the game. But I do think the 49ers had a really good chance to win that game had Brock Purdy been healthy. Um, but yeah, if that game's at home, maybe it goes completely differently, right? Like maybe um, maybe the the pass rush from Philadelphia isn't able to fire off the ball as quickly. Um, you know, so there were, may, maybe the there are better replays uh, on Devontae Smith's catch, right? The, the Niners talk a lot about how their in-house crew is really good. Um, at showing replays from various angles on the big board that leads to Kyle Shanahan challenging plays a lot of the time. Um, those replays weren't there when the Eagles hurried to the line of scrimmage after that fourth down play on Sunday. So, yeah, I, the, the, there has to be maybe more of an intensity in the in the preseason and training camp and early on in the season than they've had because Kyle Shanahan 
the last two years, that's been a thing. They've started off slowly and, and gone better as the season's gone, but those losses uh, early on in the season have come back to bite them. There's a lot more we could talk about with the San Francisco 49ers, <laughs> including if you have D'Amico Ryan's number, just shoot him a text and say, don't do it. Don't take that Texans job. Uh, Chris is in Minnesota right now covering the Sacramento Kings uh, for the Sacramento Bee, and you got a chance to sit down with De'Aaron Fox uh, this weekend. De'Aaron's always an interesting dude to, like, read like when, when, when people write about him. What was your experience? Uh, any takeaways from your conversation with De'Aaron? Anything that really stands out? I asked him if if he had any contacts or any discussion with Vivek about Monty McNair's extension. He just flat out said no, which, you know, was interesting, I think. De'Aaron's generally pretty honest. He's mm-hmm. not much of a boilerplate answer guy. If there's something on his mind, he will certainly be truthful about it. But, um, look, the big takeaway for me is, like, De'Aaron Fox, Monty McNair, and Mike Brown are all contractually locked in together. Their contracts all end the same year, 2026, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, that's that's really – his whole thing with, with McNair's extension was just about organizational – continuity right and and you guys know as well as anybody like the kings have not have not had a whole lot of continuity and security through for their their main pillars of their organization in a long time Mm -hmm. um and so i think with what mcnair's done uh you know over the last calendar year getting demonis sabonis getting kevin herter um you know i i think drafting keegan murray certainly getting malik monk in like there have been a lot of moves that have made a lot of sense and and turn the Kings from a dysfunctional franchise to an organization with a very clear path. Um, so I think ultimately that's what Fox appreciates now that McNair is signed for the long haul and it and it ends. I think the timing is good. I mean, it, it probably should have happened before the season, but I, I think the timing is good from the standpoint of the trade deadline because now they can make moves. McNair can make moves without wondering is you know if if this work works or doesn't work, am I going to get fired? You know, or if there's an injury, am I going to lose my job because we don't end up making the playoffs has, has been their stated goal, right? Like, so they have security. McNair can operate at the trade deadline with a long-term viewpoint as opposed to like, man, I really got to nail this trade or else my job's in jeopardy. So um, I just think overall for De'Aaron, like he's been, he's been really happy with the way things have been going, obviously. Um, he enjoys the continuity that that the Kings have had, probably more so than any other time in his time here. Um, and that, to me, is is really what stands out. And now they can, you know, I think they just need to. That one of the things is like they can just focus on basketball, right? There isn't all this roster turmoil, um, you know, worrying about what's happening behind closed doors and behind the scenes in the organization. There's an element of like, all right, Monty and and Wes are there. Um, they're going to be there for a while. Mike Brown's going to be there for a while. Everybody's in lockstep. You're not going to have to worry about a, you know, a coach working for a GM who didn't hire him or a GM coming in and wanting to fire a coach and bring in his own guy. Like at least for the foreseeable future, it's all, um, it's all going to be, it, or they, they're hoping it's all going to be a happy marriage. And so I think that's what Fox was happy about seeing that McNair finally got his extension. For the immediate uh, future, as in this evening, you saw him on Saturday. What do you think about the Kings going into this game uh, tonight against the Timberwolves? Yeah, they, Mike Brown talked a lot about defense, obviously, and just you know the allowing 
Anthony Edwards to kind of ease into a lot of those three-point shots was what he deemed most unacceptable. Like he would rather have Edwards forced to make a move and drive to the lane and a lot, you know, have a Kings defender play to their help on the inside and maybe force him to spray to another shooter, um, then just ease into those three-point shots that, that he likes to get, right? Um, they Mike Brown wasn't happy at all with D'Angelo Russell just kind of being just easily getting to wherever he wanted on the floor in the first half when he had 23 points um, on eight of eight shooting, seven of seven from the floor. Uh, so that was obviously problematic. And and offensively, there just wasn't enough movement. I think, you know, they, they missed a lot of open shots. And certainly had they missed some of those shots or made some of those shots, the outcome could have been different. Mm-hmm. But they still there are still things they can control on that end. Like, you know, I know they weren't happy with with the cutting off the ball that they had in that game. Um, even when there was when they had those open looks, they, when they have three guys out to a side of the floor and a pick and roll or dribble handoff action going the other way, um, there just needs to be more movement on the weak side. And that, you know, that can collapse the defense that can create more open looks, um, which is what the Kings need. And, and look, when, you know, frankly, when Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray and uh, and Kevin Herter combined to go eight of 27 from the floor, the Kings are going to have a hard time winning games. So they know that they are going to be those tough shooting games when they're on the road. So they need to make up for it with their defense and with their movement on offense. And, and I would expect them to come out with a little bit more intensity on that end um, because they're not going to want to drop two in a row to Minnesota, mm-hmm. uh, given that that's a Western Conference team that they should be better than, that they should um, obviously win games against because it matters in the standings quite a bit. So um, just – more intensity defensively and and more uh, more willingness to move off the ball on on offense. That's our man Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee live uh, from Minnesota. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.